The politics of public safety continue. We'll talk about it next on Beyond the Headlines. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines, a weekly look at news and issues that affect the people of Franklin County and their communities. I'm your host, Chris Collins. Welcome once again as we speed through an unconventional summer of 2020. Today's program, we're going to go off the boards a little bit. Typically, we talk politics and government on this show, and we'll talk about some of that. But um, this week's a little different because I had the opportunity to speak with a guy who I have always admired. He's a great actor and now a great director and producer. He's one of my favorite actors of all time, Timothy Busfield, who is actually directed a film that is being featured at the Garden Cinemas in Greenfield. Isaac Mass, the owner of the Garden, was able to hook me up with a publicist who knows Timothy Busfield, and I was able to conduct a pretty interesting interview with him about this movie, Guest Artist, which stars Jeff Daniels. So the bulk of the program today will be uh, my interview with Timothy Busfield about this film, which is almost more like an indie film than it is a conventional sort of full-length feature. And we'll get his thoughts on what it took to make this movie, why he decided to help the garden out by essentially debuting it there, and some other thoughts on some of his other roles. He, of course, was Danny Cannon in The West Wing. He was in Field of Dreams. He was in Stripes, a bunch of different movies. If you know Timothy Busfield's career, you know he's been all over the place, sometimes in bit roles, sometimes in starring roles, and um, just a real quality guy and a great interview. So we'll talk to him coming up. In the next segment and part of the third segment, we're going to start off, though, in familiar territory with what I like to call the politics of public safety. As we know, uh, there's been a lot of talk around the country about defunding police departments, whether or not there should be uh, efforts to take money out of the police and funnel them to other parts of the budget. In Greenfield, that debate has not really caught fire yet. But what's interesting is there's two tracks in Greenfield right now. There is the track about what to do about future police funding and also what to do about housing the police and the fire and the dispatch services through a public safety complex. And there is a a whole sort of thing going on with that, which we'll talk a little bit about. We're going to start off, though, going back to the most recent city council meeting. And there was a story in this week's newspaper Uh, about the mayor and the police chief sort of responding to what are are a series of demands that have been put forward by activists recently in the Black Lives Matter movement regarding the police department in Greenfield. And Timothy Dolan, who represents Precinct 5 on the city council, who I think is one of the leading voices in the defund police movement on the council, such as it is, uh, tried to get the mayor, sort of pigeonhole the mayor a little bit on what's being done with regard to these demands. By the way, a copy of which I don't think has been released to the public. It was released during a Black Lives Matter protest march from downtown to the police headquarters. And and Dolan, uh, during the mayor's presentation at the most recent council meeting, wanted to know what, if anything, is being done about it. We, we recently had uh, several thousand people in the streets um, demanding some changes that to the way policing is done in Greenfield, and they delivered some specific demands to the police station today. Um, I know some of those folks are in the audience tonight, so um, I want to ask on their behalf 
Um, do you have any specific responses to those demands, and do you have any changes that you're working on to please include it? I got most of what you said, uh, Councillor Dolan. Thank you for that question. Um, I am in regular contact with Chief Haig, and I do believe he is addressing those demands. Uh, we, we, he does have a plan in place to increase his uh, community policing piece so that um, his officers are more readily available to people out in the neighborhoods, um, just as a general uh, rule. So I don't have a recent update from him on that. I'm sure that at a future city council meeting, he would be happy to speak to you on that. Um, some of the other demands, I think uh, most recently, I had him write into the um, use of force procedures that we do not use chokeholds. Uh, it's not been a practice of the police department. It has never been part of their training, but it isn't something that is mandated by the state. So to ensure that that doesn't happen in Greenfield, it is now a permanent part of their use of force policy. Now, there are certain times in my career where I've been watching a meeting and I hear something get said, and I just know that's not going to satisfy people. And when I heard Weedy Gardner talk about this, I'm, I'm like, I, I just said to myself, that's not going to fly. And it didn't take long uh, in the public comment section of the meeting for there to be some pushback on the mayor's comments from a person in the audience. And this, I think, reflects a lot of what the feeling is right now regarding the non-response to these demands. Hi, I'm Andrew Ritchie uh, from Beach Street. And I, I wanna say that I appreciate the generosity of some of the earlier commenters toward the mayor but I was utterly appalled by the mayor's response to Councillor Dolan's question, uh, which suggested that the demands that were made over a month ago uh, by black residents of Greenfield, who were very bravely voicing those demands in front of the police department, that those demands were that we want more community policing. That reflects a total uh, misunderstanding and a failure to even hear the demands. Um, the, the, the demands are so clear as they've been articulated again tonight to defund the police department, to remove police from schools permanently, and to also address what's happening in the Franklin County Jail, and to, you know, to reduce the number of people that are incarcerated in the Franklin County Jail. These are things that uh, residents have expressed concerns about, and it's appalling that a mayor who was just elected is already not listening to constituents. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, well, I was talking to Chief Hay about, can we defund the police? Can we remove police from schools, et cetera, et cetera. But it's another thing to say, oh, I was talking to Chief Hay and he said, oh, community policing is the answer. And, and that's great, problem solved. That's not what anybody has said. That's not the demands that people are making. And I'm not even sure 
that the mayor is on this call at this point, even listening to these demands that we're making. So I hope that the, the councillors who are listening are actually hearing what's being said. Because black residents of Greenfield and of Franklin County are speaking up and they're making very clear and forceful demands. And these demands need to be addressed in a genuine manner. My question is, in what way? Should we just cut the police budget completely? Is that what, what the, the demands are going to be? And if you do that, what's going to happen to public safety in Greenfield? It's not as simple as just cutting a budget. This is the thing. And if you don't do, ad- adhere to demands made by people, they, they say you're not listening to them. You cannot just cut a budget and expect the problem to go away. It doesn't work that way in the real world. But that's not stopping a lot of these protesters from demanding that very thing happen. And as far as funding goes, that's the purview of the city council. If the progressive wing of the city council wanted to, tomorrow, they could put a motion forward that could cut the police budget by however many dollars they wanted to. Remember, the council is the one that controls the purse strings in any community. The legislative body appropriates money. They appropriate money and they pass ordinances. So if Dolan and Wheeler and the other progressives on the council want to do this, they can do it whenever they want. They don't need the mayor necessarily. If they can get nine votes to cut the police budget, they can do it. The problem is they can't get nine votes on this council. I don't believe to do that. And it would be irresponsible to just arbitrarily cut a budget for emotional reasons. And and I'm not saying that people don't have a reason to be emotional and worked up about this. My intent here is not to minimize the positions of the protesters. But if you go and start cutting public safety budgets on spec in response to an emotional reaction to an incident or several incidents in this case, then that to me is not great public policy. And I think most members of this council understand that. But budgets are going to get tight. Money's going to get tight later this year. And I guarantee you, as I'm sitting here, that there will be a conversation if state aid numbers come in below what I think they're going to come in below, that there will be a movement to try and cut the funding from the police budget in some way. And the comments that Weta Gardner made and her discussions with Hague are not going to fly. And this is not going to be an easy situation for the mayor because she's someone who I think wants to be able to be friends with everybody. She's not going to be able to and get past these demands easily. I'm going to shift gears now for a second. Timothy Busfield, one of my favorite actors, is the director of a film called Guest Artist, which is showing at the Garden Cinemas. And I caught up with him recently to talk about the film he directed. And what struck me when I saw it, more sort of like a a death of a salesman, kind of a Willie Loman type feel to it. So I asked him about that and, and asked him what his thoughts were on this particular film and how it came to be. Yeah, I think so. You know, you're looking at however a human being or a man in this situation gets to a point in his life where he's actually trying to figure it out, you know, with all the accomplishments. You know, you can have all the accomplishments in the world. uh, Willie Loman was a fantastic salesman who could not escape the past and who he thought he was going to be and should be and wanted to be and 
what was the, the pressures on a man. And we get a lot of that here with Jeff. He did definitely pull some of that out of there. And Lamper Wilson, who was based on, was a very Willie Lomany. He's from that world, you know. Tennessee was, was uh, and, and Arthur Miller, and all those guys were his idols. Lamper Wilson, and then Lamper became Jeff's idol. So you really have a, a nice through line from those great American playwrights and uh, Arthur Miller and such, and down to Lanford, down to Jeff. And Jeff, I mean, the range on that guy, I mean, this is a guy who put in uh, Dumb and Dumber and played on the newsroom. So, I mean, the guy can definitely swing. I mean, he's got a tremendous ability. In this movie, though, he played the part of a, of a downtrodden kind of alcoholic to a T. Was it tough to direct him? I mean, he wrote it. There was never any, you know, when you're dealing with really great actors, first of all, you want to say as little as you possibly can. You don't want to engage in a long conversation about the character, what's going on in the scene. You know, the best notes for the best actors are faster or slower. I did remind him occasionally that he might be dehydrated and that, you know, I would remind him occasionally that he was looking for something that he was in to not forget that in the series of thoughts, to fold that in, that he had cravings that were addictive cravings. You know, his body at this point, as we see, hopefully in the opening, you really get a sense that his body's addicted to alcohol. So a driving force behind his irritation and everything going on in that station is the fact that he's wanting. And, uh, you know, I might occasionally just drop that, you know, as I walk by him to say, you want a drink? And then I'd move on. <laughs> the cinematography in the film is incredible, and I know that you have a special connection to the person who helped put that together. Your son worked on the film. Was that was that tough working with your son? No, it could be tough, you know what I mean, when he said, you know, only tough in that, you know, I'm the director and the producer, and he'll tell me something's bull. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, I mean, the kids, they got no problem telling you. He didn't have any respect for me as the director or or. You know, for the lifetime I had, he was going to do what he had to do. So on that level, it was, it was tough in a way, you know, I mean, uh, this new position. But Willie and I had been, Willie finished at CalArts, and then he spent the next five years with me on the road directing and producing uh, all the shows I did. I took him along because I knew that he had come out of CalArts at the head of his class and had got his master's. And I'd grown up in my theater, and I'd been training him a lot and how to deal with these situations. So by the time we got to where we were working together, we were pretty well oiled. And he did a great job and a really tough one because we shot it in seven days. It's not, it wasn't the kind of movie that you say, you know, and maybe eight days all together with the New York unit, but it, which, which he did. But it wasn't like, you know, you're saying, okay, we have 14 weeks and let's prep every location and you can pick every location. We basically handed him the script, the train station, and the schedule, and he adjusted. And to be able to shoot all of that movie in a week was kind of mind-boggling, and, and, and how he approached it, incredibly professional. I'm very proud of him for his work. We're talking with Timothy Busfield, the uh, famous actor and director of Guest Artist. You got helped debut this at the opening night of the Garden Theater, which is why we're talking to you. Isaac Mass and his wife Angela are really taking that theater and rebuilding it Talk about what it meant to you to be involved with that project and helping out a small theater. Well, I grew up going to single standalone theaters, and that's how I grew up in small towns. That was my life. And then they spread out into two theaters, and sometimes they went up to four or five theaters. But the small theaters in America are the ones that I have the most 
you know, romance attached to. I'll multiplex, I'll find it, and the sound might be better uh, in some of them, but uh, my heart is with the smaller deer. So anything we can do, especially with this kind of film, which doesn't shy away from the fact that it was a play, turned into a movie. We really tried to figure that out. So we're happy to be a part of this Greenfield. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, there have been some great plays that just didn't translate onto the screen. This one seems to. How do you make sure that that is able to happen, that you're able to, to take the elements of a play? I mean, obviously, you have, if you have the guy who wrote the play write the screenplay, that kind of helps, I think. Well, it helps. It's, sometimes it'll help. You know, the big, one of the biggest problems in our business, is in, in, in any business, in any growth at all, is attachment. You know, often writers will be attached to what they wrote. They labored over it, and if they're not free with their writing, if they're not, what do you need, what can I do for you with the writing, and they are, and often you see it with playwrights, I want every word the way I wrote it, and I don't want to make any changes. That's it. And after coming up with Pulitzer Prize winning playwrights and creating roles in Pulitzer Prize winning plays and watching them make adjustments on the fly in an original production, I have very little respect for that attitude. Jeff, anything I wanted. He treated me like every director would want to be treated. He said, it's your movie. What can I do? And I said, well, I'm, we've got two problems. One is that, you know, we've got a whole bunch of, we need to make this train station play for an hour or so, a couple hours or an hour and a half, and we need to earn the ending. We've got an emotional ending, and if we just stay in one spot the whole time, we may struggle get reinventing the energy for the last 15 minutes of the movie to get the audience where we need them to get emotionally. So those are the two sort of story things and, and director things that presented issues for me, and I think we got around moving around the station, and I think uh, we really helped the ending. So, you know, Jeff's help in, in adjusting the screenplay really made that possible. And your wife, uh, Melissa Gilbert, is one of the producers on this. And again, I'll ask you the same question. What was it like working with your wife? I know she's a tremendously talented person. Little House on the Prairie was a big favorite growing up. Uh, how was it working with her? We get along. We work together so incredibly well. We have a podcast, actually. We've done about 11 of and they're up on iTunes. And so we just let that drift over there. Melissa was great. Jeff and Melissa and I own Grand River Productions, the production company who produced the movie. And Melissa found the funding. You know, it was all, we set it up on the amount of hats. Everything we did, everything we did and the way we did it, we had no idea we were creating a template for the way it could be done in a pandemic. Everything going forward from here is going to have to be smaller. So having a wife who is also could give notes on a script that would find a location, who found the money. Melissa got us Michael Alden, Tony Award winner, Broadway, who got us Don Clark, who wrote the check for us to make the movie. So being one position on a movie, those days are over. If you're a director of photography, you probably have to operate. If you're a lighting gaffer, you probably have to do hands-on lighting stuff. If you're a composer, you're going to have to have play more instruments. Everybody has to wear more hats. And and in our company, we set it up by hats. Jeff has the most hats on this one. He's a producer, an actor, and the writer. I have two hats. I'm the director and the producer. Melissa has one hat. On other projects, Melissa might have three hats. I have one hat. Jeff has two hats. So in the moving forward, if you can get three people to be able to wear nine hats, that's our moving forward technique. Our crew is very small. And we shot it very fast. 
and because it was a play first, the actors were able to rehearse a finished script for the most part for months before we actually started to roll and, and needed to have that many people in close contact with each other. The movie is called Guest Artist. I guess I'll I'll go back to the West Wing thing for a second and ask you what's next. What what are you what what's your next thing you're gonna be working on? Well I'm on uh, for life on ABC. We finished our first season uh, strong and we are back for a second season on ABC. We're aiming towards end of August. Hopefully fingers crossed we can start shooting and start shooting again. Nicholas Pennick and Dina Marma from Game of Thrones, Mary Stewart Masterson, we got a great cast. And that'll be back on ABC. And Jeff Daniels is teaching me how to play the guitar. Yeah, I mean, uh, incredible. I videos, he fixes it. He, he fixes it. And then uh, I started playing in January. And I'll send him a song. And he's really tender and won't hurt my feelings. It gives me really good notes. I'll tell you, one of the few tonics I have in these crazy political times is binge-watching The West Wing. Which, as I mentioned before, I loved your character, Danny Kincaid, and as a journalist, I truly appreciated the subtlety and the the play between you and Alice and Jenny, who's now an Oscar winner. I mean, it was just it was. I still can't figure out how you weren't made a full cast member of the West Wing because you brought so much to it, especially in the final seasons. And uh, I just I really appreciate your performances, all of them, but that one especially. You know, it was great. I got to be a part of it. And they, they, not to say I wouldn't have become a cast member in time, but I wasn't, at that point, I had established the acting. Longevity has always been my thing here, and how do I last for a long career? I honestly, West Wing was great. I did 28 of them. Had I done 128 of them, then it wouldn't have changed my uh, career. I wouldn't have been able to become a, a producer and then an executive producer. I wouldn't have known how to make guest artists. So it was really my decision to step away from the show. Aaron would have used me a lot, and maybe I would have become a series regular at one point. It was never, ever a concern of mine, and I never asked for it. So, you know, it worked out perfect for me, actually. What was it like working with Allison Janney before I let you go? I just, I got to, she's just such an amazing talent, and she's had a good career since the West Wing, but she'll always be C.J. Craig in my mind. Well, in a lot of people's minds, she looks, Allison Janney is exactly what you think she's going to be. She's funny, kind, she does her homework, I mean, running lines with her, acting with her. The only time she'd get bugged at me that I really remember is like if we were walking and she dropped something that I would, you know, if I didn't just roll with it, or if I knocked something over, or if that kind of stuff. She loved her mistakes to keep going through mistakes. And, you know, with Sorkin, if, if you can drop something accidentally and pick it up and not have a break in the dialogue the degree of difficulty in that is so hard so but she handled it no problem she could learn those monologues in a second she's such a great actor really fun to play with always fun to see when i got to work and you know as i left the last day after we finished our last scene she pointed at me as i walked away and said you're my favorite partner to act with ever and that really made me happy it was a lie i'm sure but it made me happy Actor, director, producer, Timothy Busfield. Guest artist starring Jeff Daniels at the Garden Cinemas. GardenCinemas.net, by the way, if you want to find out what they have for films. And they've got a lot of good stuff going on over there. And we want to thank Isaac Mass and the owners of the Garden for getting us connected with Tim Busfield. That was a a lot of fun to talk to him and uh, scratch that one off the old bucket list. Before we depart for the week, I want to circle back to the public safety discussion because there was one other thing that needs to be noted this week, and we'll have more to 
say about this in future editions of the show, but it appears that the committee that's vetting sites for a new fire station in Greenfield has determined, (laughs) and this is another example of Greenfield kind of being like Groundhog Day where the same stories come back around. The former car hardware property on Well Street is apparently the chosen site of the committee that's looking into a new fire station location. There seems to be some disagreement inside of official Greenfield as to whether or not we're talking about just a fire station or we're talking about a public safety complex. The committee says it's going to be a public safety complex eventually, but the president of the city council, again, the the organization that appropriates money, Ashley Stemple Ray, went on social this week and said, no, in fact, the $10 million put forward was for a fire station. So, and she said, and, and to her credit, was candid in saying that a public safety complex is going to cost a whole lot more than $10 million, which is not going to be popular in some circles in Greenfield right now, the way things are in terms of the tax rate and the way think people feel about how much money is being spent on large-scale capital projects. So uh, there'll be more to say on this. Like I said, I want to hopefully have the chair of that committee on to discuss why the Well Street site was the chosen site and where this is going. They have to enter into negotiations. There are some issues. The The last time that Well Street was brought up as a possible site was when Mayor Bill Martin was in office and the council squashed that because it was a somewhat questionable deal that involved a long-term lease, and that did not sit well with some members of the council. So there's a lot still to be said here. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, on this show next week. That'll do it for Beyond the Headlines this week. Stay safe, stay cool. We'll talk to you next week at the same time. I'm Chris Collins, and I'm out. Talk to you next week.